Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, take, them, take them and open them to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. The title of this morning's message is The Great Harvest. The Great Harvest. We'll be reading uh, verse 2 of Luke chapter 10. It says there, Therefore said he unto them, Jesus talking to his disciples here, he's sending out the 70 disciples. Therefore he said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, and the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. As the Lord sending out his followers, uh, as he's sending out his disciples to evangelize, um, here uh, he's telling them, he's calling them laborers in the harvest. You know, we are here at Wellspring, we are an evangelical Christians. Evangelical Christians, as if there was any other kind of Christian. Uh, when, when we say that we're followers or disciples of Jesus Christ, it's clear that Christ calls us uh, to evangelize. And to evangelize is basically just to, uh, to tell the good news, to publish the good news. Uh, it's to instruct others in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we follow Christ's doctrine, His, his precepts, His teachings, um, by Himself and the Gospels and by the Apostles and the, and the New Testament, it is clear that He has called us, He has called us to tell others in our own way, in the way that He's equipped us to, uh, of the good news. You may have come here this morning not knowing that you have a calling upon your life. But if you're claimed to be a follower of Jesus Christ and you've been obedient unto the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ unto salvation, then you are called as an evangelist, as to, to evangelize, to tell others of Jesus Christ. And as it relates to the harvest, our field, our field is the world. The whole world. The, uh, Christ, he uses the parable in the, in the Gospels of the, the sower. Remember that? The sower. And, and in that parable, he explains to us that the sower is us. We're the sower. And the seed is the good news. The seed is the Word of God. And he explains there that as we're out and we're sowing the good seed, the Word of God, in our own way, publishing it, that some's going to fall on rocky ground, and it's not going to bear any fruit. Some, he says, is going to be eaten up. The birds are going to come and, and steal it and take it and eat it. And he says some is going to start taking root and begin to grow, and then the thorns will come around and choke it out. And he likens that to the cares of this world and the cares of this life that just kind of steal that, that good seed. But then he says at the end that there will be some that fall on good ground. And it's amazing that as we're publishing, as we're spreading the good news, uh, sometimes that seed falls on good ground in the most unlikely places. 
The places that you would think for sure that the seed's not going to grow, sometimes that's where it grows. But he says that that seed will fall on good ground. That's a hearer. Those are ears uh, that are ready to hear. Those are people that have a heart that's ready to accept and ready to exceed. And, and that's the great harvest. When that seed falls on that good ground and that seed is received, uh, that is the great harvest. As Christians, as believers here this morning, hey, as a church, we are expecting a great harvest. We're expecting a great harvest. You say, why would you expect a great harvest? Well, because we're going to be planting. Because we have been planting, and we, we plan on continuing to plant the good seed. And... I'm pretty confident in the harvest because I'm confident in the seed that we have. I I am confident in the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word to be able to change lives. I do believe that it brings hope and it brings light into darkness. I'm confident. I'm confident of that. And I'm confident that the Holy Spirit will empower us to do the work, to do the labor for the great harvest. So we'll expect it. You know, there may be a lot of Christians out there, a lot of people that you run into that uh, have somewhat become hard-hearted and they'll tell you that, hey, this is not a good time to be planting seed. That this is a hard day and age to, to live, to, to expect a great harvest. But I've got to say that I think folks have said that for the last 2,000 years. I, I'm just absolutely convinced that there couldn't be a greater time to be a part of the harvest. There really isn't an easier time to be able to get the message out with all the abilities that we have uh, today. I mean, it seems like the world has gotten smaller. And if God's called us to the Great Commission for the whole world, uh, I believe that we live in a great time, a great time, to plant that seed and to expect that harvest. It's a good time for planting. But you know, if we're not planting... If we're not planting, then why would we expect to harvest? If we're not sowing that seed. He says that, he, uh, that there is a great harvest. And, and you may ask, what's so, what's so great about the harvest? What is so good? What is so great about the harvest? Well, I've got to say, and I may go to an extreme here, uh, but I think it's worthy of it, that there is not a more important thing There's not a greater deed that could be done in our human, earthly bodies than to be able to lead someone, point someone to Jesus Christ and then be able to receive that good seed. The Bible tells us that Christ has come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. The Bible tells us that when one believer receives Jesus Christ, Uh, one person receives Christ as their Savior, that they pass from death unto life. And he's not talking about earthly, temporal things. He's talking about something that is eternal. I'm convinced that the harvest is so great because there's really nothing greater that we could do. There's really nothing... I mean, can you think of something uh, that would be more important than seeing folks uh, come to Christ eternally saved. You know, sometimes we think of that as uh, someone so far away and 
into another country and God's called us uh, into the world, but think about it in the terms of your own children. What would be greater than to know that they have received Christ and they've been born again? Think of it in the terms of your spouse or your family, close family, your friends, your neighbors, those that you uh, interact with every day. What would be greater than to them receive Christ, receive the good news? And you know what? We have this treasure in us. We have the treasure of knowing and have received the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we hold that treasure in ourselves. And again, I believe that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to give it out, to, to give that good news. When we think about the great harvest and the good news, it's a sobering thought to think of hell and the lake of fire. It's probably uh, not something that we like to talk about that much, and that's understandable, because in the Scripture, in the Bible, there's not a more sad doctrine. There's not a more serious and sobering doctrine that is taught by Christ and the apostles than hell and the lake of fire. It is the most horrible and fearful. To think that a human being would reject the gift of Jesus Christ and elect to pay the payment of sin, that eternal payment of sin themselves, is downright scary. It is fearful. And I believe that when we, by faith, believe that doctrine, that it would put the fear of God in us to want to get out the good news. There is no one in the Bible that speaks more on this topic than Jesus Christ. And there may be two reasons for that. One is because I believe that that's the reason why He came. <laughs> he said He came to seek and save that which was lost. He came, He came, Jesus Christ was grace. And by Him telling it, by Him telling of the dangers to come, the, the, the wrath of God that was to be poured out on sin and Satan, by Him telling us about that, He, he, he is able to bring uh, us to repentance. He's able to bring those that don't know Christ to show them His grace. I believe another reason why hell is talked about is maybe to put the fear of God into the believer. To see the importance of it. You know, so much, there's so much that goes into our ears and our eyes and our minds every day. But if we think of eternity in, 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 in respect to those that we love, you know what it begins to do? It begins to give us a burden for the souls of men and women. That's the great harvest. That's the great harvest. When we have a burden to say, I've got something to say. And I've got to say it. I've got to tell it. I've got to share it. Why? Because it's the best thing that's ever been said. It's the best thing that's ever been told. It begins to put the urgency on it. I heard a preacher say one time that per patience, patience is a virtue, but decision is a greater one. Sometimes in our, in our being part of the great harvest, we have to be intentional. You know, as we become a witness for Christ, as we, as we begin to uh, tell others about Christ, uh, sometimes we have to open our mouths. 
and look for those open doors. Now I know that we can't talk about it and witness to everyone 24-7 or, or they'll start to hate us worse than they already do. But you know, we can begin to, we can carry a burden around 24-7. Look, if you have a family member, a close family member, a friend that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you believe what the Bible says about that, you will carry a burden around. That burden may cause you to hit your knees and pray. That burden may cause you at times to have tears in our eyes for those that don't know Christ. For those that have been blinded by the darkness of the world. The Bible says that Satan has blinded the minds of them that don't believe. He comes along and just keeps us so busy, so busy with all the stuff of the world, just fills our mind up and we very very seldom take time to think of eternity. Not just the horrors of hell, but also think about the joys of heaven. I mean, think about the joys of heaven. Have you ever just stopped and thought about what heaven's going to be like? The Bible tells us some amazing things about heaven. Wow. Uh, Some of the greatest things I think about heaven is that Christ will be there. I mean, Christ will be there. And everything will be right. You know why there's so much terribleness in the world today when you look around? It's because His kingdom has not yet come. But when God's in control, when His kingdom has come, when He is ruling and reigning, things will be right. Things will be right. How wonderful will that be? The Bible tells us that there'll be no more sin in heaven. Listen to me, if there's no more sin, what else is there? Think about that. Then there'll be no more death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. There'll be no tears. There'll be no sorrow. There'll be no disease. There'll be none of those things. It'll be like the Garden of Eden, just with streets of gold in the presence of God. Hey, think about the joys of heaven. Think about it. Stop sometime and think about how wonderful heaven's going to be. You know what? We don't deserve it. I, I got to tell you, I don't feel like I deserve it. I don't feel like that, that it, it, it's, it, you know, that we deserve heaven for eternity. That we deserve to be a child of God. I didn't do anything good enough to deserve that. That's grace. That's the free gift that Christ gives us through salvation. Isn't that good, isn't that good news? Uh, don't, don't you think that there's some folks that probably would receive that if they heard it? If they heard that Jesus Christ, if they heard that there's a God out there, if they heard that there's, we just, uh, 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 Herbert's not here this morning, but, but uh, uh, there was a, a lady that, uh, that we got together with, and, and she, she received Christ on Skype recently. And she's up in China. And, and, uh, <laughs> and she went back and told her family and friends that the, the, the God of the universe, the God that created everything, wants to have a relationship with them. And you know what they said? We didn't know that. We didn't know that. We didn't know that the God of the universe wants to have a relationship and a fellowship with us. You know what that is to those that don't know? That's good news. (laughs) That's good news. My goodness, we have good news. He says that that this is a great harvest. That this is a great harvest. Look look there as he continues. So he sends, sends the disciples out. He sends 
the, the, the believers out and they go and tell the good news around all these villages and towns. And then they come back. Verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto, unto us through thy name. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And he said unto them, Behold, Satan as lightning fell from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing uh, shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, Christ says, after he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth, and lo, I am with you always. After Christ shows them that through, through him and through his spirit we have power, he says this, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not, don't rejoice in all the power that we have through Christ. He says, hey, there's something even better to rejoice about. There's something even better to rejoice about. He says, notwithstanding that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather, Christ tells them, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. You know what Christ says? Yeah, I'm with you here on earth. Yeah, I'll help you overcome the enemy. Yeah, I'll help you uh, uh, be victorious in your Christian life. I believe that, don't you? I believe that we can be victorious in our Christian life. I believe that the Lord empowers us to do that. But he says there's even better news than that. If your name's written in heaven, that means you belong there. That, that means you're a child of God. And he said that's something to rejoice about because that's not something that's just temple. That's not just something that's going to last here for 70, 80 years. That's something that a million years from now will make a huge difference in your life. <laughs> wow. You ever think about that a thousand years from now? If your name's written in heaven, what good news. And you know what? All the stuff that we worry about here and now and all the things that we toil over and, and stress over, what will it mean then? He says that your name's written in the book of life. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. You know, there's several of us in here uh, today that can just, just, just thank God for that. I mean, what good news. Just to rejoice in what He's done for us. We were studying Wednesday night on how God will go way out of His way. Way out of His way. In Acts, uh, He sent Philip from Samaria right in the middle of a revival. And he sent him down to the bottom of the Gaza Strip to witness to one man, the Ethiopian eunuch, who was searching. He had, he had the, the scroll of Isaiah there, and he's reading the prophecy, and he's trying to figure out who Isaiah is talking about. He knew, he knew there was something significant in this prophecy, and he says to Philip, who's, this that, who's he talking about? Philip began at that point to preach unto him Jesus Christ. Amen. Ethiopian got saved and got baptized. You say, what's the, what's the significance of that? I don't know. I think God will take us uh, to the next city, around the world, anywhere, when one person, one person is seeking Christ. One person. I think that the gospel is just good enough that if we spend a whole life just trying to reach one person, that we can waste our life. Christ in the Gospels he's with his disciples and there in John and he tells them he tells them that verse lift up your eyes for the fields are white already for harvest he tells his disciples that and when he tells them that that's in the context of Jesus told his disciples I must needs go to Samaria and when he got to Samaria he just so happened to meet the woman there at the well 
who told her everything she'd ever done. <laughs> and he gave her the water of life. He gave her that water of life that was going to spring up in her. And it was going to refresh others. And when Jesus Christ said, look up, for the fields are white in the harvest. You know what he was pointing at? You know what he was talking about? That woman had left the well after she received that, that good water. That, that water of life. And she went into the village. And she told all the people about Christ. And she was bringing all those people out of the village back to Christ. And he said, look, you know what the harvest is? It's the souls of men and women. That's the harvest. He says, look, the harvest is white, ready enough. Right? You know, Christ, he led one lady to Christ there. Let, gave her water to drink. He led her to a forgiveness. And you know what? She led a bunch more. Isn't that how it happens? Isn't that how it happens? The message is so good. I've seen that before where, where maybe one person receives Christ and before long you look back five years after that and that good news has kind of spread through their whole house. One by one, one after another, uh, folks have come to Christ. And, and before long that ripple effect, that good news will begin to spread and, and through the salvation of one, many can come to Christ. Many can come to Christ. Think about the person. I, the person that planted seeds in your life. Think about that. Think about the person that God used through, through the Holy Spirit to plant seeds in your life. Maybe even the person that God used to lead you to Christ that was there to witness them. Think about that. That they had the boldness and they had the, 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 the desire enough to tell you. I don't think anyone that has ever come to Christ and received Christ and received the good news and received the free gift of salvation ever was angry with those that shared it with them. It's good news. He said the harvest is great. But then he says this about the harvest, that the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Now as believers, followers of Christ, we're called to be laborers. Are we laboring? We're called to be laborers in, in, in our field. The field where God put us. He called us to be the light of the world. And if we're a light, do people see it? It's a pretty simple question. You can't really hide a light. Either you're a light, I mean, if the folks at work don't know that you're a light, then I'm not trying to be difficult, but you're not a light. If the family members that are close to you, that don't know Christ, if they don't know that you know Christ, it's just a time to kind of look in our own heart and think, uh, Lord, you know, how do I do it? Lord, empower me to do it with grace and with love. So that, it, so that, it's, so that the gospel message is, is desired by others. They see the result of it in our life. They see the grace and the love that God's given us so others look at it and they want it. They want that forgiveness. They desire it because of us. He called us to be laborers. You know, for us, all of us as humans, it's so easy to labor at so many things. As I look across this room, there's, I don't think anyone here that's, that's lazy. Of course not. No one here in this room that, that would uh, be afraid, afraid to labor, afraid to work. Of course you would. But, but so many times it's easy for us to get sidetracked and spend so much time laboring and laboring on all these other things 
Not wrong things, not bad things. You know, we have to make a living. Of course we do. That's biblical. Uh, But we all have a fine living. All of us have a fine house and fine car and fine clothes. We eat fine food. Uh, And so, but we continue to labor and labor and labor for what? Finer house, car, clothes, food, of course. This isn't anything to try and make us feel guilty. The Bible tells us that God gave us all things richly to enjoy. God's blessed America. And if you put some work ethic, some biblical work ethic, God will bless you in America. Bottom line. And enjoy it. Absolutely enjoy it. That's biblical. But there should be a burning desire in us to say, I want something more. I mean, I got some stuff earthly, but I want some things eternally. I mean, I've received some profit. I've received some award for things that are going to last 100, maybe 200 years at that. But I want something that's going to last for eternity. I want just a little more. I want to get involved. I want to labor every now and again in things that are eternal. This is a sobering question, but how much last week, just last week, was our heart burdened down for the souls of men and women? If we are the ones that have the good news, if you and I are the ones that have it, look, CNN, Fox, none of them are going to tell the good news. Not like these believers not like his Christians are. The church of God is the one that that responsibility lays directly on our shoulders. Have a burden for it. God's given us, in America, God's given us so many blessings. All of us. All of us. It's easy to look around amongst ourselves and say, oh, they got more. But mm-mm. No. Look around in a, in a hole and say, we are blessed. And so God, help me take what you blessed me with and help me to be able to invest a little bit of my time, a little bit of my money, a little bit of my talents into something eternal. Into something that is greater than the here and now. You believe in that? It takes faith to believe in that. It takes faith to believe that, that God will empower us to do those things. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 says, Labor not to be rich. I have written down in there in my Bible, labors for something greater. You know, in our culture, there's, you know, the rich are powerful. The rich, I mean, it's, you know, to be rich is, wow, what's greater than that? Really? In our culture, what's greater than that? To be famous, to be, to be uh, you know, feared, to have power? What's greater than that? You know who wrote this? Solomon, the richest man in the world. He said, labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings and fly away as an eagle toward heaven. You know, we can be driven. We can have that fire in our bellies. Nothing wrong with that. That's great. But what are we driven for? Is it all earthly prophets, all temporal? Or some eternal, eternal reward, something that's more than something more than this earth has to offer. Jesus said it was a great harvest. Jesus Christ, our Savior, the, the one who died for our sins, asked us 
to be co-laborers with him in the harvest. What a privilege, huh? What a privilege. What a privilege to serve Christ. To serve with Christ. What a calling. What a blessing. He says the laborers are few. You know the laborers are few? (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. You know Christ, as we read the history of the church over the last 2,000 years, right from the beginning, Christ has been used to doing a lot with a little. It's okay. The laborers are few, but that's okay. You know, when I'm walking with the Lord, when I'm right with God, we're fellowshipping, uh, I'm not intimidated by the Great Commission, a worldwide vision. I'm not. You know, I believe that the Lord can do a lot with a few, with just a few. God can give us a great harvest. You know, there's a, this is a few. There's just a few here this morning. <laughs> but even if there was a thousand, that would still be a few for the great harvest. You see what I'm saying? It is a big job. You go eat in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's a big job, but we have a big God. <laughs> we have a big God. And He can do it. And He can use us. I mean, we can be wherever He plants us and we can go there and we can just sow the seed and expect the harvest. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes that, that uh, uh, waiting for that seed to germinate and that seed to begin to grow. And we've got to spend some time watering it, so, some time taking care of it. And, you know, that kind of pictures that time of, of in prayer over it. But the Lord will bring a harvest. You believe that? The Lord will, if we really get a burden for souls and we begin to pray for our friends and our family and our co-workers that, you know, there's a few of them that'll be like that stony ground. There'll be some that the cares of this world just choke it out. There will be some. There will be some that it falls on good ground that receive it and take it. He says, the laborers are few. But then he says this. He says, pray ye that the laborers would be sent. Pray ye for the... For the harvest. It's interesting that God calls us to labor in the harvest and He empowers us to labor in the harvest, but then He also wants us to desire it. He wants us to want it. He wants us to be a part of it. Lord, He's a gentleman. He he gives us our own choices and allows us to do it. He doesn't make us. He doesn't. You gotta want it. You gotta do it. You gotta say, Lord, use me. I'm a vessel for your service. Lord, uh, send me to the harvest. Lord, if you'd use me, if you'd use me, I don't know why you would, but I believe that you could. You could use me. Lord, to witness to those folks down the street and, and those people that I know, you could do it. That desire to see folks come to Christ, to be a, be a witness, and, and he says to pray for it. You know, as we, as we tell others about what we've experienced, that's what it is to be a witness. We don't have to make anything up. We, you know, we don't, have to, we don't have to be super polished in our message. You know, what, you know what a witness is? Hey, this is what I experienced. Hey, this is what I saw. That's all a witness is. Hey, this is what I saw. This is, this is what I experienced in my relationship with Christ. I've said this here so many times, but Paul the Apostle, greatly used of God, right? What did he use so many times when he had that opportunity to preach the gospel? We see in the book of Acts that he told his testimony. He said, this is where I was. This is what I was doing. This is the way I was going. Then I met Christ. And then everything changed. And this is the way I'm going now. And this is what he's doing in my life. That was Paul's testimony. 
be able to have that, that see folks uh, with, with, a, with a, a desire to see them come to Christ. This is that part of the message where we make a life change, where we begin to change the, dra- the way that we operate, what drives us and the motives for what we do. Bible says in Proverbs 11:30 he that winneth souls is wise having that burden that desire for for eternal souls in Ezekiel chapter 22 in verse 30 the Bible says this Christ uh, God said and I sought for a man among them that would make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it but I found none Lord said, hey, I was looking for someone to go and, 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 and open their mouth and go and stand and, and try and bring the people to repent and bring the people into reconciliation with me. I have written in my Bible this date by this verse, 8-10-06. In 8-10-06, the Lord did a work in my heart. I'll remember it. It was a big day in my life where I left the church service and I had uh, someone that had preached that message I respected, wrote that in the back of my Bible, Ezekiel 22.30 and I wrote that date beside it and that night I decided that I was going to witness, I was going to be a light in my community and that next day that I went to work I went to work uh, to my job uh, desiring to be a witness did you say, well did you witness the whole time? no, I worked but every time I saw an open door and my employer was fine with it, uh, he allowed me to witness. She allowed me to witness. And I, I did. And through that, uh, the Lord just kept opening doors. We, I, uh, the job sites, I could tell you story after story of people that knelt down in homes that were being built and praying and asked Jesus Christ to save them. And many of them are still in contact with today. And from that, a door opened for a Bible study, and then a second Bible study, and then, and then the rest is history. I believe that when we begin to, we begin to seek God and say, okay, uh, oh, yeah, I have to work, yeah, I have to live my life, and yeah, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it with, with, uh, with I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to do it better because I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm going to serve, I'm going to, you know, the job where God's put me, the family where God's put me, my friends, I'm going to be the best employee. I'm going to be the best employer. I'm going to be the best neighbor. I'm going to try to do better. Why? Because I'm the light. Because when I get that opportunity, when I get that open door, I don't want my lifestyle to have tainted the message. Yeah, we fall. Yeah, we fail. But you know what? We can just be human. Tell folks, hey, I've failed, I've messed up. The forgiveness of God and the grace of God, He can just move us on. And the way that He begins to open doors when we want Him to, and when we are desiring it, is absolutely amazing. You say, okay, I'll be a laborer. Where do I start? Where do I start? Okay, is God going to send me to Africa? Uh, maybe not. Maybe you know where He'll have a start? He'll have a start right here. And I believe when we start here and begin to sow and we begin to be faithful, God will then begin to open other doors and other doors. And you know what? It'll spread out. Hey, if we don't uh, witness to uh, our friends and family here, why would the Lord send us there? He, he's, gonna, he's, he's looking for laborers. They're willing to sow the seed. Willing to sow the seed. Where do I start? Right where you're at. 
right where you're at. Psalms 126.6, he says, He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We see that there in the story uh, of the maniac of Gadara. You remember that? He was destroying his own life and no one could be around him. No one could, could, could uh, be near him. And Christ goes and delivers him from himself and from the satanic power that was absolutely destroying his life. And you know what the maniac of Gadara said? I want to go with you, Christ. I'm going to be one of your followers. I'm going to follow you. And it's interesting what Christ told him. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 19, Jesus said this, He suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. And he had compassion on thee. And he departed, the maniac departed, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. You know what Christ said? No, this message is so good. You need to go back and tell those people that Christ changed your life. That Christ gave you hope. And my goodness, if there's any testimony uh, that, that the Bible says that maniac, he was tearing himself and running around naked. And the Bible says when the people saw him, he was clothed and in his right mind. What a testimony, huh? What a testimony that Christ had come. That's all. That's all we're going to do. Church, there's a great need in the world. There's a great need in this community. There's a great need in the people that we're around every day. And it's a great harvest. And what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? You know, our church has three purposes. Pretty simple. That's to glorify Christ. Lift Him up. Praise God. That's our first purpose. The second is Great Commission Church. That we want to be able to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. And the third is to edify the body of Christ. To help each other grow and mature in Christ. Give each other the tools and the abilities to serve in the ministry that God's called us to. And so this great commission, this, this, this harvest is something that we want to get into. Not that we haven't been. My goodness, God's blessed us here. I, I, you know, the folks that have been saved here on Sunday mornings just been wonderful. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the harvest that the Lord's brought us. But you know what? You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see an increase in the harvest in 2015. And you know how we're going to see an increase in the harvest in 2015? Is if we increase the sowing. If we increase the, the sowing. If we increase the seed. You know, I don't care if we ever have a big, beautiful building. I don't care if we ever have a big bank account at this church. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if God blessed us with a nice building someday. I wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But that's not, that's not what this is about. That's not what the church is about. You know what the church is about? It's about the harvest. It's about the harvest. That's the, you say, what direction is Wellspring going? It's going toward the harvest. It's gonna, it's got, we, we, we have to see uh, uh, God make an eternal difference in the souls of men and women and, and children. That's what we want, don't we? Isn't that what we want? I mean, is that more important to us than anything else? Is that we lift up Jesus Christ and that we see Him change hearts here in our community, our families, our, our friends. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful? All of us, every single one of us have family members that are 
that don't know Christ, that don't know Him as our Lord and Savior. Wouldn't it be wonderful in 2015 that we see the harvest? Let's pray. Let's pray all of us. Lord, stir our hearts. Lord, give us a burden. You say, I don't feel it right now. That's all right. Just pray for it. Pray that the Lord would give it to you. You say, I don't, this doesn't even, I don't feel any urgency. I don't feel, well, if you don't feel it, then you can't, you can't give the message. If it's not sincere, it can't be. But pray for it. Pray that the Lord would show us the importance of it. To stir our heart and to give us a burden. Let's pray for those laborers. Pray that the Lord would use us as laborers so that we can see God save the souls of men, women, and children. Amen?